Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in Romans chapter 12 today, and we're going to be talking about how we find our place in God. There is a place that God has for us set there uh, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the place where God has set you And in this place is where you grow and you bear fruit and your life becomes such a blessing, not just to the Lord Jesus, but to those around you. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. So let's pray and we'll get right into the word. Father, we're so thankful today that we have a God that watches over us, that we have the comforter, the Holy Spirit that empowers us. Hallelujah. And grants us revelation, shows us. Uh, the things of Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, as we approach the Word of God today. Uh, We approach the Word as a gift given to us to help us to grow in the things of God. And we'll give you thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. All right, how we find our place in God. Now, we're going to start in John chapter 17. There's some verses here that uh, Jesus, in his prayer, gives to us some clues or some keys, rather, some keys on how we find our place in God. So in John 17, uh, in verse 6, it says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your words. So here we are, verse 6. That Jesus has chosen us out of the world. He has placed the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, granted us new birth, to be filled with the Spirit, to be alive unto God. And Jesus says, these were yours, but you've given them to me. So we belong to Jesus. We are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Now, the key here is what Jesus said in the very last part of verse 6. And they have kept your word. If we're going to find our place in God, this is the important place, the most important place where we start. Of course, you know, when we're talking about finding our place of God, then it's it's going to take uh, consecration and willingness to do that. But uh, the word is the power that leads us and and through prayer leads us uh, to uh, these fields of endeavor, these functions within the body of Christ. All right. Now we go down to verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So verse 14 tells us that through the word of God, he takes us, Jesus takes us and separates us out of the world. That is a type of sanctification. He separates us out from the world for one purpose, and that is to serve uh, the Father. Now, verse 15 says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So there is protection in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our life is hid with Christ in God. 
Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You're born again. You're not of the world any longer. You're not part. You're in the world, but you are not of the world. You serve a new master, and that master is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verses 18 and 19, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. You have been called by Christ Jesus. You have been endued with power from on high. He, you, you now are enjoying, you and I now are enjoying newness of life. Amen for that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't you love our life in the Lord Jesus? Glory to God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Now, Jesus said, I have sent them into the world. So now you are sent into the world for a specific purpose. Amen, praise God. And of course, the root of this uh, mission is the local church. That's the root. God places you in his body, and he does that through the local church. And through the local church, now you are able to minister as God has called you. You begin to function as God has called you. You're not a stranger. Amen. You're not an outcast. You're not a vagabond. God has a place for you. Amen. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he has a specific place for you. It may take some time for you to get there, but I'm telling you, God has a place for you. So we have to find where our place is in God. And then verse 19 says this. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So we're speaking here of separation. Jesus is talking about a separation to do the will of the Father. Amen. And then he says of us that we may be sanctified by the truth. The truth that has saved us, the truth that has empowered us, is also the truth that separates us unto our gifts and callings in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And then once again, Galatians 5, 24 says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The thing that is keeping us from fulfilling uh, that place or that function uh, that we have in Christ Jesus is uh, the flesh that has not been crucified. Amen. Once we are determined to know the will of the Father, we're going to have to lay down the flesh. Well, I don't want, you know, your, your, your flesh is saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to teach Sunday school. I, I don't want to go to, to school. I, I, I don't want to, uh, I really don't want to preach. I don't want to stand before people. I don't want to go on the mission field. Your flesh says all of that kind of stuff. Understand that the flesh is the part of you that has not been redeemed yet. It must be trained. It must be crucified. It must be laid out on the floor, praise God. Hallelujah. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So the first step towards finding our place in God is uh, over and above what our flesh says. Our heart says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's like the psalmist said, uh, when you have said, seek my face, I say, yes, Lord, your face I will seek. So that's how we do it. Praise God. Amen. And then we are to present something. Notice now in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. See, it's God's mercies that we're called. It's God's mercies that we stand in Christ. It's his mercies that we are have have been given the ability to do what God has called us to do. And let me tell you this, that whatever function God has called you into, he has already provided the grace to do that. And as we ply ourselves, as we pray, as we separate ourselves by the truth, as we begin uh, to press into these things, we're going to find the grace to help in time of need. And of course, seeking the Lord also and, and studying his word, studying the truth, it builds in us faith so that we come to that place to where we say, yes, praise God. Amen. I'm going to do this. Hallelujah. God's called me to it. So I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. So once again, verse one says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, you individually, you And also the church, you as an individual, you as a church, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or we could say it this way, which is your spiritual worship, presenting ourselves to God, saying no to the flesh, saying yes to the spirit. God looks at that as worship. Hallelujah. Spiritual worship. Amen. And of course, all this is by the mercy of God. But now we, if we're going to be a living sacrifice, we're going to have to present our bodies. A lot of times our bodies are kicking and screaming. We are just almost consumed with fear. I remember the first time in the pastoral ministry, the first funeral I had to uh, conduct. Uh, I was really just a few months in, in in the ministry, and here's this funeral in an area where I didn't hardly know anyone. And uh, I'm riding in the hearse and and uh, I mean, not the hearse, but the the uh, uh, the vehicle that uh, the funeral director was riding in. I was in the back seat and I got out of that. We parked there at where the funeral is going to take place. And I got out of of uh, of that uh, of that car and stood up. And here is hundreds of people staring me in the face. Oh, man, you talk about fear. Oh, Man, I was afraid. Fear was running up and down on the inside of me. But with the Lord's help, I got through it. And the more I did it, the more comfortable I got, the more seasoned I got. See, and that's just the way it is. Our initial reaction is we want to we want to uh, uh, we want to curl up in fear. We want to uh, step back in fear. And, and the, the whole reason we do that is because we're depending upon ourselves. Ourself is not what is not what is going to get us over. It's the power and the grace of God. Amen. So, uh, you know, we come into unfamiliar territory. We're not sure. We're not sure what we're doing. We're not sure where we're going, but we do it by faith. Amen. We present our bodies a living sacrifice and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I'm not trained to do this. This is new territory for me, but I'm going by faith. Amen. And I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice. My body is saying, man, you need to cut and run. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I I know that you have called me to this ministry, so I'm going to do it, Father. 
By your grace, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by faith. See, now that's that's an offering to God. That is a spiritual worship to him when we do uh, these things. When this is this is what we do. Praise God. This is how we begin. And then verse two says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The more uh, we enter into that to the function wherewith God has called us. And we and we know that the grace of God has installed us in this function. Then we spend time renewing our mind to the word of God. Study, 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 study. Prepare, prepare. Preparation time is not wasted time. And God will cause us to increase. If we'll do this by faith and we have it in our heart and our mind, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. Now, Lord, you're calling me to be a Sunday school teacher. I don't know the first thing of, of what a Sunday school teacher is or what he does, but I'm telling you, I'm going to take the Sunday school periodical and I'm going to study it throughout the week. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe for you to give me the things that I need to be success and and to teach either the children or the young adults or the older adults. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to give them something. Whatever you give me, I'm going to give to them. And then we apply ourselves. Well, it takes presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, but it also takes the transformation of our mind so that we may prove what is that good and accept perfect will of God. Now, we had Sunday school teachers when we were pastoring. They didn't apply themselves. They didn't even take a second during the week to teach their lesson. And so when they got to church, what did they do? They read the lesson and got lost in it. And it was just a total mess. I know because I've sat in and I've listened to them. I've watched them. No preparation time, no prayer time. Well, it's quite obvious that that was not the place. That was either not the place they were supposed to be or they had not crucified the flesh and they were not renewing the mind, renewing their mind. And understand this. Now, here's the other side of the coin. Whatever God calls us to, whatever office or function he sets us into, he expects us to do that as a good servant of the Lord. And this is what our reward is going to be based upon. How faithful are we to answer the call of God and to find our place in him? So this requires for us not to be conformed to this world. The world thinks in terms of promotion. The world thinks in terms of salary. The world, think, the world thinks in terms of, you know, what, what am I going to get out of this? But that's not how the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God says, what can I pour into this? How can I make this a success? How can I glorify God? How can I help the people of God? How can I help my Sunday school class or whatever endeavor in the church? How can I be the very best? How can I glorify God in this function? Amen. That's the road to success. So we are not conformed to this world. But however, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to start thinking. If we're called to be a Sunday school teacher, then we have to start thinking like a Sunday school teacher. We've got information we need to pass on. 
And if we haven't diligently applied ourselves in the prayer closet and in the study room, how are we going to be able to deliver accurately the things that God wants our students to know? So it does take some effort. Amen. Praise God. And I tell you, there are some wonderful Sunday school teachers out there that take what they do as a ministry, not just something to do. Well, you know, they gave me this class. I guess I'll just have to do it. No, no, you're, you're, you're not functioning the way you should be functioning. You accept this. And you may know that this is not really my ultimate calling, but this is this is the place that the Lord has me right now. So I, I'm going to put my hands to the plow. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to do this. Praise God for the glory of God. And while I'm doing this for the glory of God, I'm going to try to help uh, whoever I come in contact with to the best of my ability. And then Paul writes this in verse three, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man. Notice that to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Well, you know, I really need to be a preacher. They got me stuck here in this Sunday school class. But really, I need to be behind the pulpit. That's where I need to be because I'm smart, intelligent. You know, I've I've got the spirit of God just as well, just as much as the pastor does. So I really need to be up there. I need to be in front of everybody. I need to be teaching multitudes instead of teaching this classroom of six students. I need to be teaching hundreds. Well, perhaps that's not your place. Perhaps that's not your function. Maybe the Lord Jesus sees the pride in your heart. And so he's going to put you in a classroom of six. So that you, you will learn to accept that place where God has set you so that from that place you can grow into something greater. You know, the initial calling to be a Sunday school teacher may not be your ultimate calling. One day you may be behind a pulpit. One day you may be teaching hundreds. But it's all by the grace of God. So we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. You know, James says this. He's talking about the masters or the teachers. Be not teachers, what he was saying. Understand what you're getting into. If you desire to be a teacher and you start teaching things that are wrong, you're going to receive the greater judgment. So you better understand this. James is saying you better understand this. You better approach this with true humility. As a servant and not as a master. So we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but we are to think soberly. Soberly means straightforward, eyes open, very alert, very attentive, according as God hath dealt to every man. So Paul is saying to every man that is among the church, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to be alert According as God has dealt to every man, every man that is among you, he's given to every man the measure of faith. There's only one measure of faith. It's the same measure. Now, what you do with faith, once you're given faith, you can either increase it or you can cause it just to stay idle. If you get up in the morning, you say, you know what? 
I really don't want to do Sunday school class. Let me, let me call somebody and see if they can do it for me. I don't want this. I, I don't want to. God has me here, but I'm not very happy. This must not be what God wants me to do, so I'm not going to do it. Well, how do you know that unless you pray? How do you know that unless you consecrate yourself? And I understand there's times we get tired, especially when we're not seeing the kind of results we desire. And we pray and consecrate ourselves to God and say, Father, if I'm going to continue to do this, I need you to help me. And he'll do that. There'll come a resurgence of God's power in you and the joy from the Lord to continue to do what God has called you to do to that place that God has placed you in. Now, verse four, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Notice that, have not the same office. That word office could also be function. And some translations use the word function. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. In the local church, there may be just one pastor. There can't be a thousand pastors. There can't be hundreds of pastors. There may be a, the senior pastor, associate pastor. There may be someone who is uh, in, sitting in the office of teacher. All that's well and good. But the pastor can't do it all, and the associate pastor can't do it all. And the teacher, uh, if he tries to do something other than teach, he's out of his office. And God's not going to anoint that. So in every church, there's many members, and they're all one body in Christ. We are one body in Christ universally, and we are one body in Christ locally in the local church. And so there's many functions. Think about the human body, how many members there are in the human body. Once again, verse 4, for as we have many members in the body, how many members do we have in the body? Well, we have feet, we have hands, we have arms, we have legs, we have a brain, we have a mouth, we have nose, we have eyes. They all serve one function for the furtherance and the effectiveness of the one body. And so that's what the different ministries in the church is for. So verse 6 says, having then gifts differing or having functions or gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. That's how we function in our calling. It's by the grace of God. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. If God has called you and you sense that he wants to uh, install you as a Sunday school teacher, he's already provided the grace to do that. It's already a fixed asset. All that is necessary is for us to present our bodies a living sacrifice and to begin to enter into this function by the grace of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Having then gifts according to the grace of God that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of grace. That is so important in the body of Christ. Somebody that can uh, that knows by the spirit of God, uh, the will and the direction of God or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering service, serving. There needs to be servants. We're all servants in the body of Christ, but there are some that are particularly called. 
Amen. To be a deacon or, uh, or, or to be a deacon or a deaconess or to be somebody, amen, that uh, manages the fellowship hall, manages the, the, the fellowship dinners, manages outside events, things of that nature, committeemen that take care of church business. Make sure that the church is clean. Make sure the grass is cut. Make sure all of these functions that make the church the church are working and are viable. Or he that teaches. There are people called in the body of Christ that are teachers. They're not part of the fivefold ministry, but they're good teachers. Amen. I mean, I've sat in services and I've, I've watched Sunday school teachers try to teach in the capacity of a uh, of the of the gift of teacher and they failed miserably. There's there wasn't an anointing upon their upon uh, their ministry, but put them in a Sunday school class with a, a, a dozen or, or, or half a dozen students and they are just outstanding. That's their place. That's their function. Or he that exhorts or encourages. There are people in the church that are great encouragers. People who work the altar, they're great encouragers. Somebody goes down to the altar. Well, they're we're with them. They got their arm on their shoulder and they're praying with them and, and they're there to assist them in whatever they need done. I, I need prayer. Uh, you know, I want to give my heart to the Lord, but I don't know how to do it. So they take the time to explain to them and encourage them what they need to do to receive Christ. Amen. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. We need givers in the church, people who just have that unction in them to be able to give. They give of themselves, they give of their money, they give of their time, they give of their talents. Or he that ruleth, boy, do we need rulers in the church? Do we need administrators? Do we need people that, that can hear the voice of God and, and understand the direction that uh, the church needs to go? Praise God for faith-filled, spirit-filled deacons and leaders in the church. And he that shows mercy. People that when they hear somebody that has a need, where are they? They're right there. They're right there to help that person. Or they go to the hospital. Where are they? Well, they're, they're in the hospital visiting them. Takes a tremendous load off the pastor. When he knows he has people that, that have the, the gift of mercy and that uh, will go to these people and minister to them. And oftentimes the pastor, if he's trying to do all of these functions in the church, if he's the prophetic voice, if he's the servant, if he's the teacher, if he's the exhorter, if he's the one that's doing all the ruling and administrating, if he's the one that's doing all the hospital visitation and home visitation, his life is going to get worn out. He will get burned out. It takes a great measure of the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this for a long period of time. I know exactly what I'm talking about. The neglect of family, the neglect of children because of the demands of the ministry. How much easier would it be for the pastor if the people in the church started fulfilling these roles, if they started figuring out, well, you know what? I just feel like in prayer, I just feel like the Lord wants me to uh, be an exhorter. I, I just, you know what? My heart is burning and bleeding for these people that are hurting. I, I, I'm going to go visit them. 
I'm going to throw my arm around him. I'm going to encourage him in the things of God. It's not as bad as you think it is. God can fix this. Amen. And then finally in verse 9, this is what uh, the scripture says here. He says, let love, notice this, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is in good, that, that which is good. See, that's the capstone on this portion of Romans chapter 12. And it's all because of the love of God. All of these functions, all of these ministries, they're all because of the love of God. Now, I backslid a few years back and realized what I'd done. I, I went to the Lord. I repented. I asked the Lord, you know, I've messed up the first 10 years of, of my witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I start this day, this day of consecration. I start as the first day I got saved. And from now on, I'm building my spiritual life on prayer and on the word of God. And it wasn't too long after that, a year and a half, two years, I began to sense the call into the ministry. And that's how I got where I am today. Amen. And if I can do that, you can certainly do that. Heavenly Father, we bless you in today in the name of Jesus. And I pray for all those within the sound of my voice. Lord, that know that you, you want them. There's something you want them to do, but you don't know what it is. Help them to separate themselves through prayer and the ministry of the word. Amen. And stay there until, Father, they know in their spirit what you have called them to do and that they'll have the faith in order to follow up on that, present their bodies a living sacrifice and renew their minds to the word of God. And they will find that place, Lord, that you have for them. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.